Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash, and this is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception, but first, a little thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. Based in Boquete, Panama, International Coffee Farms owns and operates 10 specialty coffee farms. These farms are subdivided into half-acre parcels. These half-acre parcels can be purchased for as little as $18,000. U.S. Your land will be managed on your behalf and will be producing positive cash flow in perpetuity. I've gotten to know the principles of International Coffee Farms over the last several years, and they run a quality operation. Have a listen to episode 121 with CEO and founder, Mr. David Sewell, where we talk about investing in coffee farmland in a safe, diversified offshore investment. Find out more by visiting internationalcoffeefarms.com. That is internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back. Our guest today is a great guest, a great friend. He's the head of the New Orleans Investment Conference. He's a real estate investor. He's a gold investor. He is none other than Brian London. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Victor. Great to be with you. Great to reconnect with you as well. You know, when, on the Real Estate Espresso podcast, we talk primarily about real estate, but there's many different forms of real estate. And, you know, you're a specialist in gold, uh, precious mm-hmm. metals. Uh, you run the New Orleans Investment Conference. Talk to us a little bit about how gold fits in as part of a real asset portfolio. Well, it's, it's something that I believe every investor, anyone with significant assets needs to have, uh, primarily as insurance against an inevitable depreciation of the currency, of the, of the dollar in this case. And what happens is when debts rise to a certain level, they can't be addressed by economic growth, by uh, tax hikes, by spending cuts or anything else, they have to be addressed through some significant depreciation of the currency to make the value of those debts less. It's something that's happened over and over many times throughout human history. The recipe is always the same. The prescription is always the same. The result is always the same. The currency gets depreciated. So it's going to happen in the U.S. It has already happened to some large degree in the U.S., and gold is, is your protection against that. It preserves your purchasing power, preserves your wealth as a currency depreciates because its value rises as a corollary, as the other side of the seesaw to the currency being depreciated. And it's important to remember that these factors also affect real estate. So, you know, these, these are the big picture economic trends that we see. They affect real estate and other tangible assets similarly to, to how they affect precious metals. Absolutely. And, you know, gold obviously has been at the center of what we've traditionally called money since uh, back in the times of the Romans, the Byzantine mm-hmm. Empire. And it's really been by agreement, the scarcity of that precious metal that's really given it its inherent value. Today, gold obviously has industrial uses as well. And it's also becoming more scarce, meaning we're continuing to mine for gold. But the size of mines that were, you know, the discoveries that are being made are much, much smaller with what they were even, say, 20, 30 years ago. Correct. Is the world running out of useful deposits of gold? Well, that's an economic question because as the price rises, then lower grade deposits are found. But there's no question that uh, the average grade of deposits, the average size of gold deposits has dropped. And in fact, we have essentially reached peak gold, whether that was last year or this year or the next year, we're right about at the peak of global gold production. And from this point on, it's generally falling. 
And while it falls, while new gold production falls, currency is still being created hand over fist around the world. And debt, which is, of course, money, is being created hand over fist across the world. So it's, it's a situation that will be resolved by these currencies dropping in value, in relative value, to gold. One of the things that a lot of investors do when they're focused on precious metals, you know, obviously you're talking about the value of gold increasing, relatively speaking, as the value of the currency drops. Then you can go one step further and try and access the gold cheaper than you can buy it in the open market by hopefully pulling it out of the ground at less than the cost mm-hmm. of buying it on the spot market. Many people do that by investing in mining stocks. Talk a little bit about that and how that potentially fits into a gold strategy. Absolutely. You know, I tell every investor that's new to the area that they need to get a physical holding first, some kind of a representation, a foundation to the precious metals portfolio, which should be generally a small fraction of their overall portfolio. But they need to get the physical metals, the bullion acquired and put away first. After that, there are ways to leverage the rise in precious metals prices. And primarily, the way to do that is through mining stocks, which tend to to offer that leverage to gold's price gains. You know, if gold goes up 20%, there are mining stocks out there that might go up 200% or more. So it, th- that's a great way to to leverage those gains, those gains in the metals themselves, but it's an area that demands that investors educate themselves. They learn about the sector, or they simply invest in uh, in mutual funds or or indexes to try and get that exposure. What are your thoughts on owning gold, phys- the physical metal versus owning a paper certificate? You know, in one case you actually own the gold, in the other case you own a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the merits of one versus the other? Well, there are a lot of paper representations. There are paper certificates of gold held in a vault. There are the ETFs like GLD that one can hold. And I think the GLD in particular, the ETFs, are great for trading the metals. I think the paper certificates are fine as an addendum to a physical holding. But I I think investors absolutely need to have physical metals, whether they store it in a, uh, a close-by storage facility, in a safe in their home, or some other method, they need to have some physical metals accessible in their holdings and, and concentrate on getting that first and then building all these other, other ways of diversifying the physical metals. I would not advise anyone to have only paper representations of metals. They need to get the real stuff first and foremost. That makes sense. And when you're dealing with the physical real asset, there's no counterparty risk. It's not an asset or a liability on anybody's books. That's exactly correct. It is worth what it's worth. You know, I just did a presentation on this cruise that I just returned from, and one of my slides started off with by saying, what is an ounce of gold worth today? And people called out the, the price of gold for that day per ounce. And I said, no, that's entirely wrong. That's the inverse of what the dollar is worth. An ounce of gold today is worth an ounce of gold. And it really is like uh, the heliocentric uh, view of the, the solar system. It changes your view of everything once you realize that an ounce of gold is worth an ounce of gold. It is the standard of value. And prices of everything else revolve around that. So it's important for people to realize that as these currencies decrease in value, that gold is going to maintain its purchasing power. It's going to maintain your wealth 
your ownership of that gold is going to insulate your wealth from these depreciation of the currencies and and the rising prices of everything else around you. I love that. One of the things that you know we talk about on the Real Estate Espresso podcast, of course, is investing in real estate and in particular uh, different asset classes. One of the things we've not spent a lot of time talking about is the separation of the deed for a property from the mineral rights for a property. Talk a little bit about that and how mineral rights can be separated, what they're worth, how they're valued, all that sort of thing. Well, the mineral rights of properties, it varies from state to state. Uh, You know, here where I am in Louisiana, they typically go with the property. In Mississippi, where I own a couple of properties, they've been separated from the surface rights decades ago. So it's it's very rare for you to purchase a piece of land, for instance, uh, in Mississippi and actually have the mineral rights still attached to that purchase. And, and it gets complicated from that point because say uh, someone wants to go drill an oil well on your property, that you have to be able to reach some accommodation with them, but they have the right to go drill for oil on your property. So it's something you really need to know about when purchasing real estate. And, and it does vary from state to state. You know, it's uh, interesting. You could be buying a property, residential neighborhood, and then theoretically, I suppose, someone could bring an oil rig, park it in your backyard and start drilling away. That's true. And, and it is theoretically because it rarely, if ever, works out that way. Uh, no, no one wants to do that sort of a thing. And there's more accommodating ways to do it. But, but that's the fact of the matter. If you don't own the mineral rights, you do not own them and you don't have uh, any rights or royalties thereof. So once you've separated out the mineral rights, so mineral rights are something, I guess, that can be traded separately from the property. Um, is there an, um, a royalty stream that the owner of the mineral rights gets? Maybe it's a percentage uh, is it a working interest? Or is it a non-working interest? How does that all work? Again, it, it does vary from state to state. And, and frankly, I'm not an, an, an expert, but from personal experience, um, my, uh, my experience is that no, you do, if you do not own the mineral rights in any way, you do not get a royalty. Right. You may be able to lease out access to your land or, or get some remuneration in that way. But if you don't own the mineral rights, you don't get a royalty. Okay, so if you're the landowner, and let's say you provide a lease on the mineral rights, then presumably you would get a royalty for that lease. Yes, if you if you do own the mineral rights. And you know, as far as metals exploration and these big mines go, most of that actually occurs out west on public land, and a lot of it at least on public land, and companies then work with the Bureau of Land Management and the federal in state regulatory authorities to lease out land in, in this long drawn out permitting process to do that. But there is a lot of public land out there that much of today's mineral exploration is performed on. Very, very interesting. Well, you run one of the longest running investment conference in North America, the New Orleans Investment Conference. And I've, uh, I've been a couple of times and it's an amazing, amazing collection of folks, uh, experts from a wide variety of different disciplines. And uh, there's a certain energy level at that conference. Uh, tell us a little bit about the conference and where it's been, where it's headed. Sure. It, it was started by Jim Blanchard, who started everything that we're carrying on now. Uh, he started the New Orleans conference in 1974. It's actually the oldest retail investor conference in the world today. Still in operation over 44 years. This will be our 44th anniversary. And we have a, a reputation for featuring really the giants of, of geopolitics, economics, and investing. 
over the years. We've had Ayn Rand. She actually had her last public appearance at our event. Wow. We had uh, Lady Margaret Thatcher, Barry Goldwater. Um, wow. uh, the list goes on and on. Alan Greenspan has spoken many times, a few times at our event. So we have really big names come to our conference. We're known for that, but we also have some of the most successful experts in every investment sector. We do have a focus on precious metals and mining, and we do cover, as I say, not only geopolitics, but also economics, because we have a strong belief that everything evolves from that. You have to start at the top and drill down toward more detailed sectors. It's an, as you know, it's a unique event. There's an intellectual energy where you're able to, to mingle with these experts in between sessions. You're able to, uh, to watch these presentations and panel presentations in our general session area. And you're able to, to go through our exhibit hall and, and see a lot of the companies that are and talk to the management teams of a lot of companies that are allowing investors to to get leverage on the precious metals prices. One of the things that struck me when I was there last year was the, the diversity of different asset classes. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't classify it necessarily as an alternative investment conference, but there's definitely a number of investment strategies there that. Um, let's say the ultra wealthy would use, for example, there's a lot of timber, things like that, that really are, let's say, recession resistant types of investments. Yeah, it it, it really features or it plays to the what our investors are looking for. You know, our attendees are are wealthy, active investors. They're they're mavericks. They they're very information hungry. They make their own investment decisions, and they tend to have a belief in individual liberty and a belief that fiat currencies, that paper currencies, are being depreciated as debts are being run up. So they're looking generally to take advantage of of real assets, tangible assets, things that are going to benefit in that kind of an environment. And that's not only precious metals, it's not only mining stocks, but it's also things like you're talking about, like timber, it's also oil and gas, it's also farming, farmland, uh, opportunities to get involved in things like coffee and cocoa and, and of course, real estate. Our uh, association, you know, we became friends with the real estate guys about five or six years ago, and their influence and involvement in our event has only grown over the years. So we're really focusing a lot on real estate opportunities. And as you know, we've got some of the best people in the sector not only speaking, but also exhibiting. There's no question. Uh, the real estate guys have definitely brought a, a certain level of depth and insight. They've definitely added to the conference and uh, I think brought a lot of value. If someone wants to get in touch with you or potentially attend the conference, how can they do that? Well, they should go to neworleansinvestment.com. This year's event is being held from November 1st to 4th. We're featuring this year Robert Kiyosaki, Mark Stein, James Grant, Jonah Goldberg, Dennis Gartman, Peter Schiff, Doug Casey, Rick Rule, and literally dozens more of today's top experts, again, across every sector of investing and geopolitics and economics. And it's a lot of fun, too. It's, it's As I say, it's, it's that intellectual energy that you get at an event where you actually have the opportunity to mingle with speakers, but also some of the smartest investors out there as your, your fellow attendees. It's a star-studded lineup. I uh, can't wait to be there. Well, that's another opportunity that's, that people can have to meet you and see you there. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. You know, certainly the last couple have been terrific and I expect this year is going to be uh, no different. So 
I can't wait to be there. And we're, we're getting ready for it. It's very exciting. That's wonderful. Well, Brian, great to catch up with you. I'll look forward to seeing you in New Orleans in a couple of months. And, uh, and then, of course, next year on the Investor Summit at Sea. Uh, for the listeners, if you don't have gold in your portfolio, it's something you may definitely want to consider. And if you simply want to get educated about gold before even taking the plunge, definitely show up at the New Orleans Investment Conference. Ton of educational sessions, panels, lots of subject matter experts for you to get the, the latest information from. And uh, it's a great, great event. So in the meantime, have a spectacular rest of your weekend. Make some great things happen. Check out the New Orleans Investment Conference and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.